Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 16 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by Bill Four Time. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. And in the last week, we've entered officially the world of Windows 7, and I suspect, Tom, that's going to find its way onto our agenda this week. You would, you would guess right, Dennis. Uh, in this episode, we will discuss the recent debut of Microsoft's latest operating system and whether lawyers should race to upgrade to Windows 7. We'll also talk about Google Wave and how we're going to plan to use it in, in this podcast. And as usual, we're going to end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you b- can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But let's get to our main topic. Uh, Microsoft rolled out Windows 7 last week to a lot of fanfare and mostly good reviews from what I've seen. Uh, In today's podcast, we're going to discuss some of the features of Windows 7, as well as whether and how lawyers should upgrade to the new operating system. But to me, Dennis, the first question we have to answer is this. Why are we, you and I, talking about Windows 7 in this podcast when neither of us have been using it or have it installed so far on our computers? That is the the question, Tom, I think. And it gives us a chance to, to talk to people about how important it is and how vital it is these days to be able to evaluate new information critically, whether you get it from the internet, from uh, printed materials, or through podcasts like ours. And so you really do need to step back and say, well, what, where, who are the people talking? What is their experience? What are they trying to tell you? And, and, and from what basis are they offering that opinion? And this, the second thing I would say is that it's important to remember that what we're doing here is we're tr- going to try to help people make decisions about Windows 7. So we're not doing a review of Windows 7. We definitely have not, don't have the hands-on experience with that. And in a way, I don't even think it makes sense if we did to say, here's what we find with Windows 7, because we're going to be using it on one unique computer with our unique set of, 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 experiences. And and I think what we're going to try to do is to pull together all the research that we've done. Um, I've listened to tons of podcasts, read almost a whole book on Windows 7, gotten a lot of information and kind of sift through that and help people go through the process that we use to make a decision about what they need to do and what we're going to do about Windows 7. You know, I think you're right. And, and one of the things that I wanted to do uh, in this podcast was kind of let the lawyers who aren't paying attention, who haven't really been keeping up with uh, with the new operating system, why we're talking about Windows 7 in the first place. Why do we care that there's a new operating system? And, and I think that uh, if you're using Windows Vista on your computer, you already know the answer to that question, that Windows Vista has widely been thought of as a, as a failure in terms of operating systems with lots of problems. I know you and I are both running Windows Vista with very few problems, but that we've had is... A, we've had great experiences. Right. And that, but that 
that's but that I will say is is an exception to many people, and I know many in the legal technology field have have had issues with Windows Vista. So, what makes Windows Seven so special? Let me run through a couple of five of the top features that I think are important, and maybe some of the downsides I think to uh, to upgrading to Windows Seven. This really, I think, is what Windows Vista should have been. It should have been the natural evolution from XP to Windows Seven. Um, and initial tests that I've read have shown that that this version of Windows is not as much of a resource hog as Windows Vista was. I, I really think that people are going to be interested in the reinvention of the taskbar. They've they've made the taskbar a, a little bit closer to what an Apple taskbar looks like. It's going to be interesting. And, and next to it is in the system tray. They've also found a way to make sure that not all those little tiny icons are down there in the system tray taking up lots of real estate. You'll have a lot more control over which icons are down there and uh, and whether they pop up messages for you. We talked about in our last podcast about the touch features that uh, that Windows 7 is going to have. And if you have a touch-enabled computer, you'll be able to use those features. And uh, so it ought to be a very interesting uh, new uh, ability that Windows operating system will have. For me, probably one of the favorite new improvements is the the dreaded user access control has been improved. If you use Vista, you're probably used to having uh, your screen go dark and a little pop-up window asking for permission to continue when you want to start different programs, when you want to install other programs, or basically do anything on your computer. Windows 7 gives you a lot more control over when you see those and how often that happens. So people are very happy about that. A couple of... uh, downsides that I found uh, is that Windows Update still isn't the way we would prefer it to be. We, uh, uh, If you update uh, from uh, get, get a Windows Update, you may still get a message telling you you need to reboot right now, right in the middle of your work. They still haven't fixed that, and that's that's kind of a concern. Another one in terms of upgrading is that you can currently only upgrade to Windows 7 from Windows Vista. If you have Windows XP on your computer, you're going to have to basically do a clean install. You can upgrade to Windows Vista, but it won't be an automatic upgrade. You would have to uh, basically uh, do a clean install of Windows 7 and then reinstall all of your applications. So it's not an easy process, but we'll include some links on the show notes to show you how to do that, uh, some steps that you can take. So it is much less of a painless process. Obviously, with a new operating system, there will be compatibility issues. Um, and then we've seen some reports and uh, about uh, some people doing installs, finding that there are endless reboots uh, during the install process. But I think that those reports are isolated and that's not happening. Most of the people I've seen uh, installing Windows 7 have, have reported very few problems. Dennis, are there any features of Windows 7 that I've left out that, that you want to talk about? Well, I, you know, as I listen to the list of, uh, as you tick through the, the features and what I read on it, I'm always struck as I am, um, even after Windows 95, and I would say it's the same thing about the Mac OS as well, is that you get kind of revved up for these things and then you realize, hey, it's an operating system. You know, so uh, what in the features is really compelling? And in a way, and I think this is... And Windows 7 has been described as the most Mac-like version of Windows as well. But I think what that's getting to is, to me, the best operating system is the one that you don't even realize is there. I mean, it's basically running the computer, allows you to get in the applications uh, and and use use them. And I think when you pay, when you realize the operating system is there, it's sort of not doing the best job because you just really want to do your work. Um, so... 
so that's what one thing that strikes me about the the features. Uh, you know, as you list features, I say I am not sure there's something that makes me really want to say, oh, I got to go out and get these things. They're all sort I of think that's these, right. these uh, things that are all good, you know, improve security, improve performance, improve searching. Uh, and, and I think this, the search capability is going to be, uh, you know, just just something that the people on Windows XP are going to love, the search that we that's built in there. There's some, uh, they, they call libraries, ways to gather together files that are in different directories and have them in one common place where you can find everything that's related. I think those things are all going to be great. But I, if you're saying, well, I'm looking for this killer app, uh, if you will, in the, in an operating system, I don't, I'm not sure you're, you're going to find that. Um, but I think in terms of improvements, uh, a big focus on usability and kind of addressing some of the issues, uh, you know, especially with XP but and Vista as well, that that's what that's what people are going to like. So what's your take, Dennis, on whether lawyers should rush out to buy the, the latest version of Windows and upgrade on their computers right now? Should they or shouldn't they? Well, my personal approach on operating systems is that uh, and and many people take this approach. I mean, if you read a lot of the, the articles that are out now, is that most people don't like to upgrade an operating system on an existing computer. They, you'll go ahead and you'll go to the new operating system when you buy a new computer. And I think that that's always been my approach. Um, and, and that's what I expect will be my case with uh, Windows Vista, unless I've, I feel like I want to experiment because I think the upgrade is not uh, is not a trivial process. It can take a long time. Uh, you really got to do some homework. You may have to move data and programs. So the, uh, for me, if I'm buying a new computer, this is like the easiest decision in the world. I would just go to Windows Seven and be done with it. Have it pre-installed. I'd be up and ready to go. And and that is my typical approach to to operating systems. I think if you want to do the upgrade in place, you really want to do your homework. Um, I've been reading a book by uh, a guy named Ed Bott. It's called Windows Seven Inside and Out, and uh, which is a great resource, but what I realized right away, it is not a trivial process in the least to upgrade an operating system in place. And you really need to do some homework and uh, set aside some time to do that. So given the prices of computers these days, it's a, the attractive, most attractive way to upgrade is, is to buy a new computer. No, I agree. And I and I think that if I am getting a new computer in the next couple of months, I'll probably wait. I'm I'm somewhat of a tinkerer, though. And uh, and and so I've been debating whether or not I want to try to upgrade my current computer. And, and I realize that there are downsides to that. I agree that that you never want to try to upgrade a system on a computer you're running. And uh, and so that probably will what is what going to what's going to keep me from doing it. Uh I, I think that if if we're talking about you know just you and me, those are are that's good advice. Uh, if, if we're talking about companies or law firms dealing with this, I don't expect that large enterprises are going to be moving to Windows 7 anytime soon. Most companies will not uh, move to a new version of an operating system until at least the first service pack has been released, so all the bugs have been ironed out. And from what I've read, we shouldn't expect a lot of large enterprises to move to Windows 7 until maybe the end of 2010 or beginning of 2011 uh, for um, all. I'm actually seeing some different stuff on that, Tom, that, that 
the long and uh, very large beta testing of Windows 7s is giving some comfort to people. And the, I've, I've seen some discussion lately that the actual upgrade in uh, larger organizations may happen quicker because the beta was so extended and, and there's a lot more comfort about that. So, so that's one thing. And, and also, uh, I know that we want to also mention, um, Microsoft has an upgrade advisor tool. And, and I think uh, I'll let you talk about this, but I think it, that's to me is very important because I think part of the problems with Vista is people start out running, uh, Vista on computers that were way, way, way underpowered. And, and I think that, uh, caused some issues. There were also some driver problems and some other incompatibilities. But I think part of the the bad uh, reputation Vista got, especially early on, was people putting on computers that were underpowered. And, I, and if there's one piece of advice for Windows 7 is that you got to make sure you have a computer that you can you can run Windows 7 on. Well, I think so, too. And, and frankly, I've heard people on podcasts saying that if you're running Windows Vista with its uh, release pack number two, uh, all you really need to do to, to be in good shape is just to add more memory to your computer. And uh, there are people who are staying on Vista, believe it or not. Now, I, I agree with you that, that, that maybe companies will be moving a little bit sooner. I still would recommend that companies and individuals wait until after the first service pack just to be just to be safe, especially the bigger the company, because um, because the headaches you'll have obviously get get magnified the bigger the company you are. If you're a small business or a small firm, um, you know, it really depends on what you're running on your current computers. Do you have custom applications uh, that may or may not be compatible with Windows 7? Uh, you need to take a look at what you're running and whether you can do it. The, the headaches for you installing it would be much less than a, than a bigger company, but you still need to, to, to work through the, 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 the options you've got. And, and I still recommend waiting until after the, the first service pack. It just sort of depends where your starting point is, too. If you're on XP, you got right. aging computers, you got a hardware refresh coming anyway, you know, yep. then I th think you'd put a lot more attention into Windows 7 if you'd gone to, to Vista already. Um, I, I, I'm like you, Tom. I, I, the main computer I use for myself is 64-bit uh, Windows Vista you know, totally updated, uh, and I'm I really enjoy it. So there's no push for me on on that one. Um, the older computers I have at home, I've run the the upgrade advisor, and there are issues on all of those. So I'm I'm in no I'm probably not going to take this step there. In fact, the one that would be most likely that I would have experimented on, I think, is so far out of date on hardware <laughs> that it's it's going to become my uh, probably my move will be from Windows XP to Linux as an experiment, or perhaps turn it into a, a Windows Home server. So yeah, yeah. Um, there are some some different options out there. Well, if, um, if you if you do want to upgrade out there, um, here are a couple things to think about. First, like Dennis and I have mentioned, please take the time to download the Windows 7 Upgrade Advisor. It uh, runs a scan of your system and it will tell you what's compatible, what's not, what you might need to do ahead of time, what programs may not work with Windows 7 and which you might have to install separately. There are a couple of different versions of uh, Windows 7. The, the Home Premium Edition is going to be $120, the Professional $200 and the Ultimate $220 unless you got the Upgrade Edition, which I think was only about $100. Uh, we'll post in the show notes 
a, a great checklist from either PC World or PC Magazine uh, on, on how to upgrade. And I'm going to go through the five steps very quickly. Here's what you need to upgrade. A compatible PC that you've run the Windows Upgrade Advisor through, your upgrade disk or the, the, the disk from Windows 7. Um, if, you're, if you really want to upgrade it, it, we recommend, I agree with this checklist, getting image backup software to back up an image of your computer and, and have a hard drive that you can put that image on in case you have to revert back to the previous version of your computer. Um, and then finally, the articles I'm reading say that you also need uh, time and a good book because it's going to take a while to upgrade. Dennis, why don't you uh, close us out on this subject with your final thoughts on Windows 7? Okay. Um, I, I think everything we're hearing so far is very positive. Um, we're at a time where Windows XP, where, which I think a lot of lawyers and law firms stayed on, is is very old in uh, computer years. So uh, I think Windows 7 is in, in most lawyers. Uh, you know, I, there are Mac alternatives and other alternatives. We're not downplaying them, but our focus is on, on Windows uh, for this podcast. So I think Windows 7 is likely to be in people's futures, Probably within you know the year, um, I would say is is realistic on that. Um, I'm intrigued by Tom talked about mentioned Windows Ultimate, uh, which has built-in encryption and some other features. Uh, I'm really interested to see how lawyers may gravitate to that, how they'll trade off uh, some, some really powerful encryption features versus a little extra cost. So that, w- that would be a trend that I, I'm interested in. I, I think basically really on this, you want to do your homework, understand what the upgrade is going to be if you're going to upgrade, because sometimes you're going to have to move your data and reinstall all your programs. And you need to understand that going in. Um, like I said, I like Ed Bott's book. I, I thought it was great. It's a little intimidating, but it tells you everything that you need to know. Um, and so if you do your homework, you put together a plan, um, I think you'll, you'll have good results. We're hearing good things. Um, but probably for Tom and I, we're going to go ahead and, and do it when we buy a new computer. Yep. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, Bill for Time. Bill for Time tracks, organizes, and invoices your billable time. Time is money, and this legal billing software helps you keep track of both. All you need is a computer and internet connection. Manage your billable time on your phone, too. Great personal customer support and tutorials quickly get you on your way. Go to BillForTime.com slash LegalTalkNetwork and get a 30-day free trial of any level of Bill for Time subscriptions. That's Bill, four as the number, time.com slash LegalTalkNetwork. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Now it's time for our occasional segment, Things Dennis and Tom Have Been Talking About Lately. And what we've been talking about lately is is Google Wave, uh, which is sort of a a new experiment from from Google. It's an invitation only thing. It's uh, been described as the next generation of email. Probably more realistically, it's a it's almost a real time uh, document collaboration tool. Um, and we're just starting to experiment with it. And we had a new idea that we wanted to involve people who listen to the podcast in. Tom, do you want to tell people what we have in mind? 
Absolutely. Let me tell you a little bit more about Google Wave first. If you haven't heard of it or, or, or seen it, Google Wave is intended to be a collaboration tool. It's a tool to help people work together better. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it gets used. It, it, I think that Dennis says that it's, it, some people have called it nothing more than kind of a glorified email service. I think you could also make it, uh, uh, call it an instant messaging device, but, but really it's designed to help groups of people collaborate on documents or on, on, on projects and things like that. And the, the, the possibilities are really very interesting. You have to have an invitation to get to Google Wave right now. And if you don't have it already and you want an invitation, just go to wave.google.com and sign up for an invitation. It may take a while or, or see if you can find someone who has extra invites to pass out. What we've decided to do for the podcast is set up a Kennedy Mall Report Google Wave that we'll leave open. It's going to be a public wave that anybody can join, that anybody can contribute to. And what we'd like to do is use that as a place not only to uh, have you ask questions for us to address on the podcast, but also to have it as a place for communication. So we can continue the conversation. If anybody wants to talk about Windows 7, we can talk about it on the wave and discuss it there. And it's a really unique and interesting way to uh, communicate with each other. So we wanted to try it out. And uh, if you are interested, then get in touch with either me or Dennis. We can add you to the wave or just go to Google Wave if you've already got an account and search in in the uh, search in the public waves. So you're going to search in with colon public for Kennedy Mall report. And that should get you to our wave that you can then join. Dennis, any comments or follow up on the wave? Yeah, I'm really it, it's been put out there as an experiment. People are trying to figure out what it does in the limited way I've used it. I it seems really interesting. I mean, I see it as an instant messaging uh, platform. Um, that's the way I've used it so far. So I'm, I really would like to see if we can get some of our listeners, uh, to, to help us with this experiment. And, and I think it would both benefit the podcast and give us an all, all a better idea of, of how we might use this. Uh, I think probably, and, and the idea of, of taking this approach is I think the Google wave is geared toward document collaboration. And by having a specific purpose and a specific document, this wave that will, we will create will give us a good idea, uh, and for everybody uh, participating in it, how Google Wave can be used in other settings. So that could be one of our parting shots. Uh, as soon as this podcast is over, run out, sign up for Google Wave and, and join our public wave. But it's not one of our parting shots. Now it is time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Dennis, take it away. My parting uh, shot is is a website called Spreeder, S-P-R-E. E-E-D-E-R. So that's www.spreeder.com. Here's the idea that, um, and, and I was intrigued by this a couple of years ago when, when I saw another product along these lines, is that one of the limitations we have as lawyers, and especially lawyers who do document review, but even all of us who consume a lot of information is the real constraint we have is how fast we can read. And so what happens if you have a tool that improves the speed that you can read. And that's what Spreeder is. So it's a it's a website, I'd probably call it a web 2.0 tool, but you can upload or uh, you know take the text you want to read and then you can set it up so it will do it will display one word at a time, three words at a time, something like that. And you can set the the pace of it. 
So say that you read 300 words a minute, you can start to crank up the speed of what you're reading to 600 to maybe 900. And and you can can gradually train yourself using this method because some people, you know, read one word at a time. Some people read in clusters. But you can find a way to read where you can dramatically improve the speed that you read something. And so, if you know, your email feels overwhelming. You got big documents to read. This could be a way to, to you know, you can still read it and and really speed up the time. And in 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 other contexts, not just this one, I it's really astonishing how how much people can can uh improve the speed with which they read. So spreeder.com. Yeah, I went to that site when you mentioned it and it's very interesting. I was reading fast and understanding everything that I read. My uh, my tip, I actually have two parting shots. Uh, one is to tell everybody about the upcoming uh, marketing conference that the Law Practice Management section is giving in Philadelphia on November 12th and 13th. If you haven't registered, uh, there's going to be some great topics, great marketing uh, ideas for both large firms and small firms. Head over to lawpractice.org to sign up. It's not too late to register for that conference. Uh, what you can do today, though, is head over to the Tech Show blog. Uh, Tech Show 2010 registration is open, and to help uh, celebrate the opening of registration, the Tech Show folks have opened up their Best of Tech Show archives, and they are featuring papers and some of the best papers that our presenters at Tech Show have done in the past two years. We're going to be featuring uh, one a week for uh, all the way through Tech Show, so you can see the great content that gets uh, that gets presented at Tech Show. Hopefully, to convince you to come in person. So if you head to Tech show.com slash blog, uh, you'll be able to see each week the best of tech show article. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on the show notes wiki, which is located at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.